Section 106 of Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter 210, London Social Affairs. All this time Clemens had been tossing on the London social tide. There was a call for him everywhere. No distinguished visitor of whatever profession or rank but must meet Mark Twain. The King of Sweden was among his royal conquests of that season. He was more happy with men of his own kind. He was often with Moberly Bell, editor of the Times, E. A. Abbey, the painter, Sir Henry Lucy of Punch, Toby, M.P., James Bryce, and Herbert Gladstone, and there were a number of brilliant Irishmen who were his special delight. Once with Mrs. Clemens he dined with the author of his old favorite European Morals, William E. H. Lecky. Lady Gregory was there, and Sir Dennis Fitzpatrick, who had been Governor-General at Lahore when they were in India, and a number of other Irish ladies and gentlemen. It was a memorable evening. To Twitchell Clemens wrote, "'Joe, you do know the Irish gentleman and the Irish lady, the Scotch gentleman and the Scotch lady. These are darlings, every one. Night before last it was all Irish, twenty-four. One would have to travel far to match their ease and sociability and animation and sparkle and absence of shyness and self-consciousness. It was American in these fine qualities. This was at Mr. Lecky's. He is Irish, you know. Last night it was Irish again at Lady Gregory's. Lord Roberts is Irish, and Sir William Butler and Kitchener, I think, and a disproportion of the other prominent generals are of Irish and Scotch breed, keeping up the traditions of Wellington and Sir Colin Campbell of the mutiny. You will have noticed that in S.A., as in the mutiny, it is usually the Irish and Scotch that are placed in the forefront of the battle. Sir William Butler said, The Celt is the spearhead of the British lance. He mentions the news from the African War, which had been favorable to England, and what a change had come over everything in consequence. The dinner parties had been lodges of sorrow and depressing. Now everybody was smiling again. In a notebook entry of this time he wrote, Relief of Mafking, May 18, 1900. The news came at 9.17 p.m. Before ten, all London was in the streets, gone mad with joy. By then, the news was all over the American continent. Clemens had been talking copyright a good deal in London, and introducing it into his speeches. Finally, one day, he was summoned before a committee of the House of Lords to explain his views. His old idea that the product of a man's brain is his property in perpetuity, and not for any term of years, had not changed, and they permitted him to dilate on this, to them, curious doctrine. 
the committee consisted of lords monkswell nutsford avery farrar and thwing when they asked for his views he said in my opinion the copyright laws of england and america need only the removal of the forty-two-year limit and the return to perpetual copyright to be perfect i consider that at least one of the reasons advanced in justification of limited copyright is fallacious namely the one which makes a distinction between an author's property and real estate and pretends that the two are not created produced or acquired in the same way thus warranting a different treatment of the two by law continuing he dwelt on the ancient doctrine that there was no property in an idea showing how the far greater proportion of all property consisted of nothing more than elaborated ideas the steamship locomotive telephone the vast buildings in the world how all of these had been constructed upon a basic idea precisely as a book is constructed and were property only as a book is property and therefore rightly subject to the same laws he was carefully and searchingly examined by that shrewd committee he kept them entertained and interested and left them in good nature even if not entirely converted the papers printed his remarks and london found them amusing a few days after the copyright session clemens responding to the toast literature at the royal literary fund banquet made london laugh again and early in june he was at the savoy hotel welcoming sir henry irving back to england after one of his successful american tours on the fourth of july nineteen hundred clemens dined with the lord chief justice and later attended an american banquet at the hotel cecile he arrived late when a number of the guests were already going they insisted however that he make a speech which he did and considered the evening ended it was not quite over a sequel to his luck story published nine years before suddenly developed to go back a little the reader may recall that luck was a story which twichell had told him as being supposedly true the hero of it was a military officer who had risen to the highest rank through what at least seemed to be sheer luck including a number of fortunate blunders clemens thought the story improbable but wrote it and laid it away for several years offering it at last in the general house-cleaning which took place after the first collapse of the machine it was published in harper's magazine for august eighteen ninety one and something less than a year later in rome an english gentleman a new acquaintance said to him mr clemens shall you go to england very likely shall you take your tomahawk with you why yes if it shall seem best well it will be advised take it with you why because of that sketch of yours entitled luck that sketch is current in england and you will surely need your tomahawk what makes you think so well, i think so because the hero of the sketch will naturally want your scalp and will probably apply for it be advised 
take your tomahawk along why even with it i shan't stand any chance because i shan't know him when he applies and he will have my scalp before i know what his errand is come do you mean to say that you don't know who the hero of that sketch is indeed i haven't any idea who the hero of the sketch is who is it his informant hesitated a moment then named a name of world-wide military significance as mark twain finished his fourth of july speech at the cecil and started to sit down a splendidly uniformed and decorated personage at his side said mr clemens i have been wanting to know you a long time and he was looking down into the face of the hero of luck i was caught unprepared he said in his notes of it i didn't sit down i fell down i didn't have my tomahawk and i didn't know what would happen but he was composed and pretty soon i got composed and we had a good friendly time if he had ever heard of that sketch of mine he did not manifest it in any way and at twelve midnight i took my scalp home intact end of chapter two hundred and ten london social affairs read by john greenman